Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to tell their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and KDMD, and today we want to talk to you about when the help stops coming, uh, when the community doesn't show up, when the supports are no longer in place, and um, Katie and I have had many conversations about this at length um, privately, and we think it's time that we discuss it because I'm sure that so many of you are also feeling the weight of this conversation, don't you think, Katie? Oh, definitely. I think it is a conversation that a lot of people try to veer away from. And the ones that do talk about it, I think they sometimes, because they're having that conversation, are felt with a lot of guilt and also just judgment that, the, you know, the outside world is judging mm-hmm. them because they're saying that they're get, they're receiving no help, they're getting no support, Um you know, whatever it may look like. So it it's a hard thing to talk about for us as parents. And then I think it's a hard thing for um, people that are in the professional field to hear that families and kids are not being supported maybe to the fullest extent that they should be. Well, and you and I have talked about this before um, to each other and with guests on the show where um, I've said, I made up a pretend age in my head. I had to get him talking by this age. I had to have him potty trained by here um, because I thought the world was going to fall apart if I didn't. But now we're hitting this secret number of if we don't have compliance and behavior support and academic skills achieved, the help is disappearing left and right because he's getting older. And He's not getting old by any means. He'll be seven this month. But what help looked like at three and four and five looks a whole lot different than it does at seven for Mm -hmm. us. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you guys, you know, Jackson, seven for us, Avery is 10 now and it does look a lot different. And I don't think anybody prepares you or tells you really that it's going to look different and that you have this idea in your head. Well, I did anyways. I had this idea in my head that every single year we would just magically gain somebody to our team. We would gain more support and more help as Avery aged. and But not even to gain, but to replace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And which is what we're seeing isn't happening anymore. No, no. And and for us, you know, I don't really know what exactly the reason is, but I know that it is so it it just honestly it like crumbles me every time, you know, help doesn't come. And and I just kind of crumble apart every time somebody leaves our team or you know, there's certain things that happen and I'm just like, why us? But then I find out that other people actually are going through the exact same thing. It's not like we were handpicked and it's like you get no help um, or the help is stopping for you or, or you're getting less help because of the age of your child. You know, it's happening right across the board. It's, it's happening not to us, it's happening to other families, but not everybody talks about it. 
which makes it difficult. And I, yeah. And I think we're in this weird in between age where when they were little, there was early intervention and help Mm -hmm. me grow and developmental preschools. And then when they're older, um, although, you know, we've had guests who say it's not when they're older and I get that and, and I believe that and I respect that. Um, but there's a plan, there's a transition plan, there's life skills, there's work. Uh-huh. I feel like we're waiting somewhere in this weird middle ground that I don't know how to navigate right now. Um, and I don't, uh, you and I know, and I, I guess I'm waiting for this community to say, we understand we're there too, so that we can start finding solutions. And hopefully they're here and they're listening. and. It is a conversation we can have, but I feel like we're in this weird, awkward middle school (laughs) where nobody wants to talk about anything. Nobody wants to raise their hand, ask a question. um, And everyone's just keeping their head Uh down. uh I I think that's a safe, uh, for us, you know, you guys live in the States, but we live in Canada. And I want to say for us, that is literally like family's safety net, putting their heads down and just, you know, agreeing with everything and never, you know, having these really hard conversations because I know a few years back, um, I was like a woman on a mission. Like I was getting a hold of families and schools and I was just like, there was no one that was going to stop me. And I wanted these families that I was getting in contact with and, and support centers and all kinds of things to start having this hard conversation about the help and the help that they receive and the help that they don't have. And, and it was almost like a safety net, like it was a safety net for parents. They were like, you know, we are in the hard, we don't receive help, you know, no more additional help is coming, no help is getting replaced, but it is safer for us. It is safer to not say anything at all because here where we live there is this idea that if you speak up if you have those hard conversations if you talk about the lack thereof you know something's going to happen I don't know what's going to happen but families have this idea so here there is hundreds of families that don't say anything don't talk about it don't discuss it you know on social media don't talk about it in their own you know kind of own communities because it is easier and it is safer for them to say nothing at all. And I think part of it is because they have been judged in the past for speaking out about what their kids need or how they need to be supported. And then the other half, I think it's just, they don't want to have to fight. Their their whole entire journey and life of, you know, raising a child that needs additional supports and extra, you know, programs in place and direction and everything else. These families just want someone to get it. They they don't want to have to spend endless hours fighting for something that their children very well deserve. They they feel like they shouldn't have to yeah, they shouldn't have to prove it. People should just, you know, people should be aware and and there should be supports in place and programs in place that transition and, and help our kids from, you know, the day they're here to the very end, you know, extended years. So I'm going to make an assumption Mm -hmm. here um, and it may be wrong, but 
I think as we have this conversation and, you know, I have these light bulb moments, the more that I talk out loud to you or to Sal or to myself half the time, um, I think I'm burnt out. Uh-huh. I think I'm burnt out. I feel like I'm at the airport uh-huh. and I just can't make myself get on the airplane because I need to catch my second wind. And I talked to um, a, a mutual friend of ours yesterday and she said the same thing. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Um, and I think maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, some of these moms are not afraid to fight. Some maybe, but maybe they're just tired uh-huh. because I think right now that's where I am. You know, a year in a pandemic, uh-huh. um, a child who's starting to have aggressive behaviors, um, medication changes that are challenging, uh-huh. sleep that is never consistent. I'm just tired. And I wish that there was just somebody who was going to show up with some answers. Well, and I think that's what everyone is looking for. Someone is, everybody is looking for some type of help and some type of answers. And, and for us personally, you know, no one came and brought us answers. And even still to this day, there's a hundred things that I wonder, and I still don't have the answers to, but that is kind of where we fit into the autism community is that no one was helping anyone where we live and there wasn't you know there wasn't uh you know a binder full of help that i could give to families or i could provide them mm-hmm. but i was going to do something mm-hmm. something better than nothing yeah. and um you know it didn't take away by any means it didn't take away our heart and it didn't you know anything that i do or in, am involved in didn't give me any more answers or any more help than you know what we already had but it definitely filled my cup that i wanted to at least know that i tried that that i at least put my best foot forward and tried not only for my kiddos but for somebody else's kiddo that is feeling you know feeling like they're in the heart and the families and that they're they're not getting any help and you know if that means supporting them in a school setting if that means you know sending them flashcards in the mail whatever that looked like from the very start to now it's been years I wanted to at least try because no one was trying and I couldn't I actually couldn't wrap my head around it it would it was the thing that kept me up at night when um, I, you know, Avery just had got diagnosed. It was the thing that made my stomach just turn. Um, I couldn't handle it because I couldn't understand how there is so many people that are needing help. Some version, some, some, you know, story of support and help and no one was getting it. So I kind of came to a point. I was like, what do I have to lose? Because right now, you know, nothing's happening. And and if I at least try and fill just like the tiniest little gap, well, then that's what I did, you know. Um, But in doing all of that, you know, we didn't gain any, any additional help, any additional support. I learned about a lot of things, which was helpful to our family and, and others. But it makes me incredibly sad. And and I think for us, like this type of conversation, and I know you and me have always had these conversations and stuff, but 
it makes me just feel so incredibly sad because, you know, our kiddos, and I, I think I can say this about, you know, our family and then like you guys, like with Jackson, our kiddos are incredible. And and I don't think that that is emphasized and and shown and people realize how amazing our kiddos are. And if they are given the opportunity and they are given the resources and supports to shine, there is no stopping them. They can do incredible things. Right. And and I wish someone Absolutely. would just give our kiddos a chance, I guess. Well, and here, um, I'll give a couple examples, but like um, for behavior therapy, we started in a clinical setting. The turnover rate was so high that he could have a new therapist every two weeks because it's hard work. I mean, you have kids who you're trying to teach skills that don't come naturally who are having big emotions and big behaviors and shutting that off and walking away at the end of the day is hard. I get that because we live that. Um, so staffing um, behavior companies here is difficult. Um, and I understand that. Um, we went through a period in preschool where Jackson didn't have occupational therapy for the first several months of school because they couldn't keep occupational therapists on staff because the caseloads were too big um, because there's such a need for service but not enough people in the field um, working in a school setting and I'm not making excuses because I don't accept that as an excuse and we absolutely didn't at that time and we um, advocated until there was somebody providing services but um, it just seems like, you know, the help isn't coming. The help isn't coming for us, for schools, for teachers, for it's everywhere. Um, and I don't know how we, I don't know how we start to chip away at that, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's just, you don't, and, and I think that maybe possibly me and you have had this conversation or it was with somebody else, but there was a remarkable family that had crossed my path at the very beginning of our autism journey. And she had said to me um, about her son in their life. And she said, Katie, you need to realize that the help may come some part in your journey, but if it doesn't come, you don't let it break you. Um, mm -hmm. They had, you know, numerous, speech paths, um, had went through, um, you know, four or five, um, behavioral therapists, uh, seven OTs, um, and everyone that came into their, you know, journey or story, I guess, left just as quick. And she yeah. had said to me, you know, I don't think anyone will ever care about my son. I don't think anyone will ever fight for him and it was so hard to hear and and to be honest it scared me to my core because it was really when we were in the thick of it with Avery and I was thinking like oh like is this gonna happen to us are, are we going to be the mm -hmm. family you know that goes through that many you know support staff therapists all team members is that gonna be us and if it is what are we gonna do like who's who's gonna pull us out or who's gonna who's gonna hold our hand and you know their family that had went through that and and 
the mom is absolutely lovely um she said she learned very early on that they will always be in the hard but that to never get attached they they really just didn't get attached to any help that had came and and started being a part of their story and it makes me sad it just but it's but it's good advice um because you need to keep that as a separate relationship Mm -hmm. um we've been really blessed with some amazing therapists along our journey that um i wish i could wrap them all up and put them in one place because we could serve to the (laughs) highest potential of every child um but i think on the flip side of that advice is not every therapist is a good fit Uh and that's okay to recognize that's not um that's not a negative to that therapist that's not a negative to your child but we also need to respect and honor that our children don't have to work for and with everyone just like we can't work for and with everyone and we've had to let therapists go um, because I can see pretty quickly it's just not going to work it's not a good fit Um, and we never burn bridges Um, we you know they may be a better fit later um, as he evolves as they evolve and that's okay but I think it's also important to remind parents that don't settle for subpar help Uh just because you want someone with your child because um, it should be a really well-oiled machine and working relationship for that time and that support to make sense and to make progress Uh no I I completely agree I think for us now you know we really have a handle I guess would be the best way to put it a handle and then kind of have a lot of things figured out with our oldest son Avery um but we are in the in the in the storm and in the very much in the hard um with trying to find help and trying to you know wait for a a, just a whole boat of help to come for our youngest son, uh, Jackson, and I don't think they will ever come. I had the very hard uh, conversation with my husband uh, this past week, and um, it was a tough one. Like we, I don't know if we will ever get help with him. I, I don't know if we will ever be supported. And if we are, and this is a huge if, if we are, I think it will involve us having to fight for help and and fight for support mm-hmm. and it is a really tough thing and you know we had the very hard conversation this week about you know what about what about medication and and how does that look like and what help comes along with that and you know all those conversations are so incredibly tough and and you would think by now it sounds crazy but you would think by now i would get better at it like these conversations i would be just like you know straight face kind of or something and i would be okay but we start talking about certain things um about avery or or certain things about jackson and i'm just like a puddle i start crying and i don't even know what i'm crying about like it's it's so crazy but um you know this past even two week stretch there was a lot of tears in the past two week stretch because we felt so defeated and mm-hmm. so just heartbroken because we have this little boy who is our youngest who is just 
it is like his body and his mind and his emotions are screaming for help, um, screaming to be supported. And um, us as parents, um, we're just parents. You know, we need the people with degrees. We need the people with, you know, uh, backgrounds in psychology. And we need all of those people on our boat to help us and to find our boat empty and only me my husband and and Jackson is a really hard pill to swallow um so we don't know what's going to come next and here's the thing sometimes I just want to be his parent Mm -hmm. um you know in the last year I've been his OT his speech therapist his behavior therapist his teacher his nurse I just want to be his mom I forget what that's Um, like I know I know And I don't mean that to sound um, whiny and I don't mean that to sound, you know, negative. It's just, I just want to be able to look at him and see everything that brings him joy and not worry about the next hour of scheduling and the next two days of planning and the next, Uh I just want to be in the moment with him. And I think this last year has made that really hard incredibly hard and and Mm -hmm. to find that balance and and I know we you know have discussed this back and forth but I don't know what it's going to look like when all the cards are kind of all go back to the piles they're supposed to be in and life goes back to normal or whatever normal you know is or looks like um I don't know what that's going to look like for us and and how I can go back to just being mom and and as you said about OT and and nurse and everything else I feel like I just have this like rotating you know um kind of just I rotate through the motions like oh I'm I'm a chef today and oh and like it goes all day long and kind of how we said at the very beginning burnt out I'm burnt out, but no one's coming. That's the thing. I get to stay burnt out just like you get to stay burnt out. And every other parent gets to stay burnt out because we are in such a, you know, a crazy time. And the world is so, you know, wild right now that families like us get to stay burnt out. We get to stay drained. We get to stay sleep deprived. We get to stay, you know, eating, you know, microwave food that's been microwaved nine times in one day like it's just we are drowning and and suffocating in our homes and there's no help coming and I think for the outside world that maybe doesn't you know follow your page follow my page or know somebody that has a child um, with additional needs autism whatever it may be they don't get it they don't see that they, they don't realize that we are not, you know, we are past the part of in the thick of it. We are as low as it We're, can be. We are on high alert 100% of the time uh-huh. um, here because Jackson doesn't have a regard for safety. Um, you know, uh-huh. there is never enough. So we are on 100% of the time. Um But Katie, we like to end every episode with advice. um, And I would like to give you advice if that's okay. Lay it on me. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we decided to go uh, the journey with meds. 
when Jackson was five. Um, and it was because he hadn't slept in over three months through the night. And I literally could feel my body giving out. Uh -huh. um, so we made an appointment with our doctor and we said, we need to address sleep. And I stayed up and cried the night before because I couldn't believe I was putting something in his body that I didn't know how it would make him feel, that I didn't know how he would react, that I didn't know what it was going to do. And Sal said to me, but we also don't know what it won't help him do. Mm -hmm. And he was, and he was right. And every time we make a decision on meds, um, they don't have to be forever. Yeah. And we don't know what we could be preventing from helping if we don't just try. And that's, I think that is something going forward um, that we are, you know, interested to see what the next, the next chapter of our story looks like um, with medication, um, a part of it, because I know the most, you know, special, I want to say the most special moments and really beautiful moments that we have together as a family um, and with the kids and things like that. We had a, an amazing one today. We had went for an adventure and we went for a drive and I was thinking just in my head, I was like, this is going so well. This is going so well. All three kids are happy, everything. And within the matter of seconds, Jackson had like reached down in the side of the truck door and found a wrench and was like whipping this wrench around and I was like and the moment's over just like that it's gone and you know but that's our life that that is you know so it it's a constant roller coaster and you know I am very nervous about meds and that is my honest you know what how I feel but also but so was I I need but so was I yeah, I need the storm to, uh, that is our life, needs to just be calm or, or calm down a little bit um, to get it to a point where not only is Jackson safe, um, but everyone else in our house is safe and, and we can try to have some more beautiful moments that, you know, don't, you know, end in a wrench. This is absolutely <laughs> figuratively and literally um so i think katie that we can um agree that for anyone listening um if you feel like the help isn't coming if you feel like no one is showing up um we both have created places on the internet where we try to share the beautiful and the hard and the funny um, and you are all welcome there to know that you are never alone um and I think that even though we can't come to your home and sit in your living room and have a cup of coffee, um, that we can connect online. And that has been um, a beautiful thing because that's how Katie and I met. And that's Definitely. how um, we found each other and amazing things have come from that. Mm -hmm. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much um, for listening to us. And I hope that part of this resonates with you because... Um, you know, there are struggles in this life and we will get through them. Uh -huh. So um, thank you all so much for listening. 